TII item 262, March 19th, 2013. Apple just blinked. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by the TII app, the official app for the Today in iOS podcast. Search for TII in the iTunes app store. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Mazin for sending in the music you hear in the background. Mazin wrote, Hey Rob, here's a piece of music I created on my 4S with GarageBand. No loops or samples were used. All bass, drums, and guitars were played manually, even the double bass drums. This was accomplished by slowing down the tempo, tapping out the drums, then speeding things back up. Regards, Mazin in New Jersey. Thanks, Mazin, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Greg for sending in the artwork for today's show. Greg wrote, Hi, Rob. I created this artwork using the app UPad on my iPad. Regards, Greg Johnson. Well, Greg, thanks for sending in the artwork. Folks, you can see Greg's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 262, or if you subscribe via iTunes on your computer as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section and at facebook.com slash today in iOS. As always, if you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com. Please make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, the forthcoming release of the Apple iPhone is going to be a bigger marketing flop than Ishtar and Waterworld combined because its designers forgot Platt's first, last, and only law of user experience design. Know thy user, for he is not thee. That product is going to crash in flames. Sell your Apple stock now while the hype's still hot. You heard it here first. Unquote. David S. Platt, Suckbusters, 21st June 2007. Mr. Platt, who's from the site whose name is only 50% correct, forgot the first rule of Apple. Don't underestimate the power of the fan base. Plus, don't also underestimate Apple's ability to deliver a UI that is user intuitive. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 261, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app Guess That Celebrity Pro. I'll be giving out those promo codes sometime in the next week. If you want more info on that app, Go back and listen to the beginning of episode 261 for the additional details. This week, we have promo codes for the app Scoreboard Tap, one word, space, Volleyball, also one word. Here is the review from the dev. Scoreboard Tap Volleyball is an app that lets fans keep each other up to date on what's happening at club, high school, and college volleyball games. Using a simple scoreboard interface, one broadcaster at the game updates the score adds color commentary, and uploads photos. Other fans watch the scoreboard update, posting comments and cheering on the team. For many tournaments and games where some fans can't attend, this is a much better way to keep them in the game than sending text messages. Games can be watched with the same app or in a browser for those who haven't seen the eye light. Scoreboard Tap Volleyball is free, but push notifications about game highlights can be purchased in-app so that even if Scoreboard Tap is not open, 
you can easily monitor updates to the game. This is similar to the Sports Center app, but you get to be the broadcaster or watch a friend's broadcast. Scoreboard Tap for basketball, ultimate, and football are also available in the App Store. Check us out at scoreboardtap.com. Thanks, Martin, for the review of your app, Scoreboard Tap Volleyball. And for the promo codes, well, actually what he's going to be giving here is in-app purchases. So if you would like a chance for this one to get the in-app purchase for the app, the actual app, Scoreboard Tap Volleyball, is free. But if you want to get the in-app purchase promos, he'll set you up on that. You need to send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put volleyball in the subject line. I will be passing on your email addresses to Martin so that he can set you up in his system. So please note that for the winners, just the winners, I'll pass your emails on to Martin so he can set you up with the in-app purchase. So again, send an email todayinios at gmail.com and put volleyball in the subject line if you're interested in this. And again, you can also just try out the app right now. Scoreboard tap volleyball without the in-app purchase for free in the iTunes app store. A quick reminder, if you are an app developer, email me. If you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment, there is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. And also, when you send in the promo codes, please make sure to let me know when they expire. Time for the NCAA tournament, and that means pouring over RPIs, Sagrins, BPIs, and other rankings, along with figuring out which teams have more seniors and who is playing close to home, all to come out with that perfect algorithm to figure out this year's picks. And then you get beat in your company pool by that strange old lady that made her picks by going for schools that have the same name as her cats. This also means it's time for CBS to release their update to the NCAA March Madness Live app. You make your picks in the app and join the Capital One Bracket Challenge, and then you can watch each of the games right on the app. As with past years, the app is free, and it is now in the App Store for download. Good luck in your pools, and if you get the app or UCBS for your brackets, I created a group for TII listeners. The group is TII, capital T-I-I. It is private, and the password to join is Flyers, with an S, F-L-Y-E-R-S as in UD Flyers, as in Dayton Flyers, who are not actually in the tournament this year. Well, the men aren't, but the women are, but we're talking about the men tournament here. And again, the group name is TII, Password Flyers, so get the free NCAA March Madness app and join the TII group, and let's see how bad we all do on the picks. I mean, how good we all do on the picks. Uh, Nothing for the winner other than bragging rights, and I guess, okay, if you win... I will do artwork for the episode of the winner with their school's logo, unless they happen to go to Xavier, in which case we'll work something else out. And now into the news. And this past week, Apple blinked. And what do I mean by that? I mean, Apple this past week, leading up to and then after the release of the Galaxy S4, they blinked. They blinked a few times. As in one, they got very defensive about the S4 before it launched, with Phil Schiller going on the attack of Android that seemed overtly defensive in nature. He even made a comment about the S4 likely shipping with an old version of Android, which turned out not to be the case. Then Apple blinked again after the S4 was announced, sending out an email many of you probably saw, at least quite a few of you forwarded to me, 
which is why people love the iPhone type email and an accompanying website over at Apple for said email, which goes over all the goodness that is iOS in a hey, look at me kind of way that seemed just so un-Apple-like and kind of really desperate. In my opinion, Apple needs to stop reacting and demeaning Android and get on with announcing something new, anything new. The last announcement from Apple was back on October 23rd. That'll be a full five months this Saturday since Apple's last special event. Wow. That is really long in Apple event timing. In six years of covering the iPhone, I can't remember a gap that long. Something needs to be presented because the press just keeps coming up with ways to beat down Apple. And worse, when the press is not doing it, Apple's doing it themselves by blinking like they did this past week. Here's a quick email I want to read. Hi, Rob. May want to sell all of your Apple stock. Looks like Apple will not be around next year. Check out this read from CNBC. The best part for me was, quote, Apple could go the way of BlackBerry, unquote. Thanks as always. Regards, Paul. Paul, thanks for the very tongue-in-cheek email. What Paul is talking about is a post based on another IDC report. This time, IDC put out a report with regards to tablet shipments, and IDC says in 2013, this year, tablets, Android tablets, will overtake iPads for shipments, not sales, shipments. IDC is now predicting for 2013 a 46% market share for iPads, a 48.8% market share for all Android tablets combined, including Kindles, and 2.8% market share for Windows tablets, and 1.9% for Windows RT tablets, and 0.6% for other. This update was not about Apple shipping less, but rather IDC upping the number of tablets they see being shipped this year, now up to 191 million units, up from the previous prediction of 172 million units when they had Apple with a greater share. But now that they've raised 191, they've given more shipments to Android and are now predicting that Android will ship more this year than Apple will. Mind you, shipments, not sales. Also, mind you, when it comes to actual dollars of sales, Apple will still be well over 70% of the dollars spent on tablets in 2013 and probably somewhere well north of 90% on profits in this space. That all said, how did the blogs spin this news? Investor Business Daily said, quote, Apple no longer tablet king, unquote. The New York Post title was, quote, from pad to worse as tablets boom Android passes Apple, unquote. The Telegraph's post was, quote, Apple to lose dominant position in tablet market, unquote. From TechEye was the title, quote, Apple is losing the tablet wars, unquote. And by far, the worst title goes to Into Mobile with, quote, Android forecasted to decimate Apple in 2013 tablet market, unquote. By the way, Amazon Kindle sales are going so well, they just reduced pricing on the Kindle Fire HD LTE by 20% and the Fire HD by 10%. Because, you know, sales are going so well, they needed to, well, you know, reduce pricing. Let the decimation begin. Or not. Ben Baharan had a great post about the issue with IDC's market share numbers, and that is why are market share numbers important. 
It has to do with developers and where they should develop. But the issue with IDC's numbers is they make it sound like Android by the end of the year is where you should develop for tablets. But just like with smartphones, we know that not to be the case. And thinking Android is where you should develop is, plain and simply, wrong. And he goes on to show very quickly why that is. In a nutshell, Android is not a single platform. It is multiple platforms where some versions have been forked, like with the Amazon Kindle, or with the Chinese version of Android, which over 90% of the Chinese versions of Android on tablets do not even have the Google Play Store installed. He shows a nice chart with percentages, and it shows both Amazon's fork and the Chinese forks. Each are both, or actually each one is bigger than the main Android offering with Google Play. And none are close in size to iOS, which again is why if you are a dev, IDC's numbers are misleading, totally irrelevant, and when it comes to where you should develop first, iOS is where you should go. But hey, you probably already knew that. It is the dolts writing blog posts about Android tablets decimating iOS that need a good swift kick in the rump. So I guess... What we can say about IDC's numbers and Mr. Baharin's analysis in summary is that if you thought fragmentation was an issue on the Android smartphone side, well, just wait, because it's going to be just as bad on the tablet side. And as a dev, you should develop first for iOS tablets, then next, if you have a hit, develop for Amazon tablets and the Amazon App Store. And then if it's a hit there, move on to Google Play Store and the Android tablets in general. But again, you probably already knew that if you were a dev. This leads us to a report from ABI, who's predicting, with quotes around predicting, that by 2018, revenue from app sales on tablets will be greater than revenue from smartphone apps. I'll go out on a limb and say this will be the case by 2015. I think more and more people will be replacing laptops and desktops with tablets. When you add in the revenue from iPad apps and Windows 8 tablets, you will quickly see revenue for tablets grow. Someone put it in their calendar to remind me at the end of 2015 to see if I was right or wrong. Either way, 2018 or 2015, whenever it is that tablet app revenue passes smartphone app revenue, the key point to make is iOS is where you want to start your dev work. iOS is, for the foreseeable future, the top app platform for revenue for tablets, and second place is not even close. Thanks to Jose for this next one. Remember when I mentioned earlier about Apple blinking? Seems they really did not need to. As the feedback on the Galaxy S4 launch for the, or announcement for the most part is, wait for it, evolutionary at best, not revolutionary. As the kids would say, OMG, where have we heard that type of response before? The word iterative is thrown around a lot when talking about the S4. Others compare it to basically an S-level upgrade that you see with the iPhone series. One comment I liked was from Brian White at Topeka Capital Markets, where he called the S4, quote, heavier, fatter, and less refined than the iPhone 5. Which coincidentally is exactly how my current wife describes my ex-wife. Just saying. Another quote from White was, quote, one would believe that Samsung is crushing Apple in the mobile phone market. We believe this is complete nonsense, unquote. You go, guy. 
yes, Android sites are putting up spec chart comparisons, comparing, well, specs. But those are just for the uber geek fanboys to read. For regular folks, there is the issue of fit and feel, and the iPhone 5 is still the king there. The S4 does have a higher resolution screen, but once you get to Retina level, what is the difference if you're at 330 PPI or 440 PPI? Your eyes can't tell the difference. It's like me encoding this show at 320 kilobits per second versus 256 kilobits per second. No one in the audience would be able to tell the difference. No one. Will the S4 sell well? Heck yeah. Will it kill or seriously dent the iPhone sales? Heck no. At the end of the next quarter, the iPhone will still be the number one selling handset at AT&T and Verizon. I guess the best reaction to the S4 was the price of Apple stock on Friday. It was up $11, and the reason it was up was the general meh reaction to the S4. Thanks to Pastor Milt for this next one, which is a survey that shows Apple most probably definitely didn't need to have blinked last week, at least when it comes to the enterprise market. Good Technology, which is a provider of security and mobile tech, released a report on a survey they did of 4,000 of their clients, including half of the Fortune 100. In this survey, they found for fourth quarter activations of mobile devices, including smartphones and tablets, iOS devices made up 77% of activations versus just 22% for Android and 0.5% for Windows Phone. Going to assume, since there is less than 1% for left for BlackBerry, that good technologies does not work with BlackBerry devices, and not that the, in the enterprise there was less than 1% of activations for BlackBerry, that's just not realistic. That said, when it comes to iOS head-to-head with Android in the enterprise, it seems at least from Good's report, iOS kicked some major booty last quarter. And maybe, at least on the enterprise side, Apple needs to stop blinking and just get on with, well, getting on. Hey, Rob, this is Mike Kramer from Macon, Georgia. Um, I just had a comment on uh, episode 258. Somebody had called in uh, having a problem verifying their emails on iMessage to get that to work. I believe they said their iPhone. Um, I had the same issue and went through Apple, and we really couldn't get it resolved over and over. And finally, they got me to another specialist. And what we ended up doing was reloading uh, my iPad mini to factory default. And when it came up on my iMac, not restoring the backup, simply just doing um, a regular sync to get all my programs and everything back over there. Um, and then there was the iCloud populated in there, and it worked fine. Um, I message verified immediately. I had tried reloading it before to factory default, but did a restore um, after it came back up, and it still had the same problems, but that seemed to fix it. And that's if you have the right email address in there, of course. Thanks a lot. Appreciate all y'all do. Bye-bye. Mike, thanks for the feedback. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Per the question from Elsie on episode 261 about using the iPad as a second monitor, I use Air Display with my iPad, laptop, and iMac. The app works well and even allows you to use the touch feature of the iPad screen. Be aware that the window you drag from from your computer to the iPad screen will shrink in size and requires enlargement to read comfortably. Regards, Tony V. Hi, Rob. A caller asked about Air Display. I have used it on my iPad for a while. It works well and without any issues. I use it mainly with a Mac, but have used it with Windows too. Regards, Carl B. Tony and Carl, thank you both for your feedback on Air Display app for using the iPad as a second monitor. 
Hope that helps Elsie out. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. To answer the question about Prolo Q2Go being available in Spanish, its website is assistiveware.com. The app is only for English-speaking countries right now. The site says they are going to work on support for other languages this year. For the father of the Low Vision Kid, I would suggest looking at the site AppleViz, A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S.com, AppleViz.com, and their podcast. Also, just recently in the App Store is the app Via, which is a compiled database-like app of voiceover usable apps. Uh, there is an education section inside it. Also, from the same developer, there is the app called Big Brother, which is a low-vision design web browser. These are free apps. Regards, Christos H. Hi, Rob. Responding to the listener wanting to find an assistive communication app that can handle the Spanish language, I unfortunately lost my ability to speak about two years ago and used the app Speak It, two words, on my iPad, iPhone, and Mac. The app allows you to buy additional voices. I do speak English and Spanish and purchase the Spanish language voice, and it works fine. Regards, Darren. Hi, Rob. This is Bruce from San Jose, California. I wanted to answer the question somebody posed about ProloQ, but something similar, say, in Spanish. There is an application called Tap to Talk. That's spelled T A P T O. T-A-L-K, all one word. It is free in the App Store for demonstration purposes, and it is fully customizable. You can, uh, there's a bunch of language packs available, so there is already a default Spanish uh, language pack available for somebody to use. It's also completely customizable, meaning you can use your own voice and your own images. And in fact, there's a big community of folks out there creating packages of images and voiceover information uh, so that it's really flexible. Again, it's free in the App Store. There is a subscription fee if you want to customize. Check it out. It's my father's venture. It's called Tap to Talk, all one word. Thanks, Rob. Love the show. Well, Christos, Darren, and Bruce, thank you so much for your answers on that. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. For episode 261 and the guy in the UK that wants Wi-Fi calls, I use Tango. It will search your contacts for other Tango users and show them. Otherwise, message your buddy to download Tango so you can call them for free. Also available on Android, you can make video calls, message, chat to cross-platforms. Regards, Chris in London. Hi, Rob. Per the listener in episode 261, the best app I've found for free text and telephone is Viber, V-I-B-E-R. Others I tried were Text Plus and HeyTel. Viber has worked well among my family and friends in Canada, U.S., U.K., New Zealand, and France. Still free, I believe. Regards, Skip. Chris and Skip, thanks for the heads up on Tango Viber Text Plus and HeyTel, links in the show notes to all of the apps that we mentioned throughout the episode. Just go to the show notes for episode 262 over todayinios.com and scroll down to the links for apps that were mentioned in this episode. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I had issues with the promo code for Warby Parker that you mentioned. Could it be that the promo code doesn't work when ordering your first five pairs of, for Tryon? Maybe it only works when you buy your first set of frames. It's a little confusing because there's a place for the promo code when you check out after choosing the five frames to try on. 
regular shipping is already free. But I thought the promo code would give you free two-day shipping. Regards, Eric B. Hi, Eric. The promo code TII for Warby Parker is just for when you are at the final checkout and are purchasing a pair. So folks, if you got the five pairs to try on, that was all free. No need for a promo code. Don't know why they show a place for it. Once you pick your pair and are purchasing a pair, that is where you put in the promo codes to get the free shipping. And I am still loving my new glasses I received from Warby Parker. If you get a pair, let me know what pair you selected. And I should mention Warby Parker also has just sunglasses. So if you are looking for a nice pair of sunglasses for the summer, check them out at warbyparker.com and use promo code TII when you are purchasing a pair at the final checkout. That again is after you do the five pairs for the home try-on part and send them back. And no, Warby is not paying for the extra promotion. I just really like what they're doing. So again, warbyparker.com and use promo code TII to save yourself on the shipping. Get free two-day shipping when you use promo code TII at the final checkout. Hi, Rob. My name is Alex. I am from uh, Walnut Creek, California, and I want to give feedback on the app called TV Show Tracker. It's a fantastic app. Uh, it's, I think it's $1.99 in the App Store, and it was free for a couple of days. I'm not sure if it's still free, but it's very, very useful. Uh, you can add your favorite TV shows and even Netflix shows like House of Cards to the app. You get cards uh, for each show that you can swipe through, and it gives you information about upcoming shows and when new episodes are coming out. And you can also look in the list view and see which shows just happened and on which date and uh, which shows are coming up, um, date and time. Please check it out. And uh, anybody, I think, who's watching shows or downloading them or getting them from iTunes will be uh, very aware of the new episodes, and it's very, very useful. Thank you very much, and thank you for the show. This is a fantastic show. Listen to the episodes as soon as they come up. Bye-bye. Alex, thanks for the heads up on TV Show Tracker and for the kind words. If you like Apple products but are looking for a lower price, one way to get a lower price is to get a refurbished iDevice. And for the first time, Apple is now listing iPad minis in the refurb part of their store along with iPad 4th gens. Supplies are limited and may be gone by the time you hear this. Discounts on the iPad mini were between $30 and $40, and there was a $50 discount on the iPad 4th gens. Go to store.apple.com, then scroll down on the left side and look for special deals, and then click on refurbished iPad. And speaking of special deals, Radio Shack has a $50 price reduction on the iPhone 5 and 4S, but only for those getting a Sprint contract. So the 4S is now just $49.99, and the 5 starts at $149.99. But again, it's just for Sprint and just for new activations only, Thanks to all that sent in the emails on that one. Speaking of Apple and money, it is being rumored that Apple will shortly announce that they are going to bump up their dividend. How much a bump is not known. Currently, it is at $2.65 a share a quarter, and analysts are guessing the bump could put it in the $3 to $5.30 a share a quarter range. Wherever it ends up, it seems most analysts are in agreement that a bump is coming and might even be announced this week, maybe even by the time you hear this episode. Thanks to Paul for the heads up on this story. There has long been anticipation slash desire slash angst 
on Wall Street about Apple and China Mobile working out a deal to get the iPhone onto China Mobile's network, the largest one in the world per subscriber numbers. Matter of fact, there's more subscribers on China Mobile's network than there are people in the United States. And now there may be signs that something is coming soonish. China Mobile announced they are spending almost $7 billion U.S. billion on equipment to build out their 4G network. This, many speculate, is being done to handle the tidal wave of bandwidth usage from iPhone users once they do bring on board the iPhone. If you combine an Apple-slash-China Mobile deal with the launch of a lower-cost iPhone, not a low-cost, but a lower-cost iPhone, and that might be what Wall Street needs to get back on the Apple bandwagon. Like I said earlier, it has been almost five months since the last Apple event. Big news is overdue. Maybe an announcement of the China Mobile deal could be that next major announcement. Speaking of next major announcements, there was a very good post from the Harvard Business Review with regards to the iWatch. They were not giving a rumor on what they heard, but rather they took a practical look at a local Apple store to figure out what it is the iWatch could do, or would do, or might do. They saw on the wall at the Apple store, and for sale, a Fitbit One and Zip physical sensors. There is also the Soshi Rhythm, Sachi, uh, however you pronounce it, Soshi Rhythm heart rate monitor, and the Jawbone Up activity and sleep sensor, plus the Lark Life physical activity sensor, plus the iHealth wireless blood pressure and wrist monitor. And HBR speculates that if you want to speculate what the iWatch will do, well, just look at the wall. And those devices are a good indication on what Apple is likely to build into their iWatch if they do one. After all, Apple, via their stores, has lots and lots of data on what is selling and what is not. And if those sensors are selling well, Apple knows it and can build in those features to their own iWatch. So, in short, they think the iWatch will be a combo of the Pebble and the Fitbit Jawbone Up Nike Fuel Band kind of type device. And you know, I really, really hope they are right. For all those that sent in the reports about what BlackBerry CEO had to say about Apple, thank you. I was actually able to find some audio commentary of the CEO talking about Apple this past week. Here, let me play it. Hell's heart, I stab at thee. For hate's sake, I spit my last breath at thee. And well, we all know how that turned out. Hey, Rob, it's Ryan from Seattle. I just wanted to send you a message regarding uh, the call that Siobhan from, I believe it's Kauai, uh, made to you two episodes ago uh, regarding the application that you can record uh, a telephone call. Um, just FYI for you and all the listeners, um, I'm speaking specifically for Washington State. Washington State is a two-party consent state, um, i.e. the both people who are involved in a conversation um, need to know if one or the other is recording them. If you record a telephone call without the other party's expressed uh, permission, then it's a misdemeanor. It's a misdemeanor in itself, and uh, you are essentially breaking the law. So, again, this is only going to apply to the listeners who 
reside in a two-party consent state. I know for a fact Washington State is one of those. So I just wanted to give you a heads up. Again, recording somebody audibly without their knowledge nor consent is a misdemeanor in Washington State. Anyways, um, I think it's a pretty cool application regardless, but uh, I certainly won't be using it at all uh, for that reason. So, all right. Thanks, Rob. I'm looking forward to your next segment. I appreciate it. Ryan, thanks for that feedback and good point to mention out. If you are going to record phone calls, some states you do have to have two-party notification. means you have to tell the person that you're recording so both you and them know. However, most states in the United States are one-party states. Google two-party notification and you'll find those which states are two-party notification state and you'll see a list of which states are two-party. But most states in the U.S. are one-party. And if you are recording in one of the one-party states and the other person is in a two-party state, it doesn't matter. It's about where you're recording, which law gets covered. So you don't have to know if you're talking to someone from Washington if you're in Kansas. So like Ryan, if Ryan called me and I'm in Kansas and I record him, it's the Kansas law that's going to apply. But if Ryan wanted to record me because he's in a two-party state and he's doing the recording on the two-party state, he has to notify me that the recording is happening. Again, if you're not sure, just... Google two-party notification state and you'll see if your state is listed as a one or a two-party state. And if it's a one-party state, you're that one party. You don't have to worry about notifying the other person, although it is considered good etiquette. I just tried to buy a Kindle book for my daughter on Amazon to be used on my iPad mini. Seems Amazon is preventing some books from working on the Kindle for iOS app. What the frack? Mary. Well, hi, Mary. Thanks for the email and the screenshot, which shows a little message saying that book was only available for the Kindle Fire, Fire HD, and Kindle for Android. At first, I guessed it was some formatting issue, but a search on the book you sent an email about, which was Pete the Cat and his four groovy buttons, I see it is available in iTunes Bookstore for $10.99, and there is also an app in the iTunes Store, Pete the Cat, School of Jam, for $0.99. Cents plus a few other Pete the Cat titles on iTunes Bookside. So maybe the reason it's not available via the iOS for Kindle is because it was already in the iTunes Bookstore side and might be a rights issue or some other issue with iTunes or the book publisher. But regardless of the reason, either way, it is available now in the iTunes Bookstore. And I would recommend anyone, if you come across a book that you were trying to get via the Amazon Store for the Kindle app and you don't see it, listed there for an iOS device, go into the iTunes bookstore and search for it there. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob, just before I ditched my TomTom, the physical device, a few years back for a more up-to-date map apps on my iPhone, TomTom had released an update that gave you speed limits for the road you were traveling. It even warned you when you went over the speed limit and again when you were 10 miles per hour over it. Is there a map app on iOS that does this as well? I have tried a bunch, but perhaps I missed that option. If not, is there a standalone app that will do something similar? Regards, CH. Well, folks, if anyone knows of a good turn-by-turn navigation app for iOS that alerts you when you are going over the speed limit, and then again when you hit 10 miles hour over it, please let us know. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hello, Rob. This is Justin from Pennsylvania. Um, I recently moved into a new house, and now I don't get cell phone signals anymore. Now, I call it AT&T, 
and they were saying about buying a microfill for $200. I was wondering if any, maybe you or anyone in the audience knows of a cheaper way of, you know, maybe doing voiceover IP with an iPhone. I have, I, I have an iPhone 5. My wife has an iPhone 4S. I was just wondering if there are any other solutions other than like something like Google Voice, which I don't think would be a good choice for me, but I don't know. I just throw it out there to you guys if, if anyone has any suggestions or anything like that so I can actually use my phone as a phone. I know I'm a crazy person that actually wants to make a call on my phone. Thanks. I really appreciate the, the feedback. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Justin, thanks for the call. I think I remember a while back someone calling in saying that AT&T would provide you with a microcell station for nothing or a very low cost. I thought it was nothing. If you could prove that the, you didn't have good reception in your area and you're supposed to have reception in your areas. Now, I don't know if where you moved to was outside what they claim to be a coveraged area. And I don't know if that offer is still the same as it used to be. But first things first, I'd kind of try to fight AT&T to see if you could get a microcell provided. You might be able to say to them, well, you know what, since you don't cover at my house, I guess I'm going to have to cancel. And you might be able to get out of the deal where you're able to cancel with no early termination fee. Again, check your contract. I don't know how they have it worded anymore these days, but I really do remember a while back someone saying that AT&T would provide you for those at no cost or very, very low cost. Um, maybe the $200 is considered low cost, but I, I, boy, maybe someone can back me up on this one from past shows whose memory is better than mine. You know, give us a call 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Let us know. That said, you could also go back to the apps we mentioned earlier, uh, Tango, Viber, uh, Haytel, and use some of those apps for making your phone calls with your device over uh, your Wi-Fi at your house if you've got a good internet connection coming into your house. So you might want to look at that. Again, we talked about those earlier, Tango, Viber, and Haytel, and see if those would work for you. But first things first, I would really fight AT&T and see if you can get them to get you a microcell for no cost at your house. Over on Kickstarter, there is a new project that I have been waiting for. It is called the SOS Charger, one word. Okay, well, actually, the title is SOS Charger Self-Powered iPhone and Smartphone Charger. It is a small, hand-cranked charger. Pricing for this is just $35, and they are already well past their goal of $27,000, with over $48,000 already and they have until April 26th at 2.59 a.m. Eastern Time for funding to be completed. So, guys, kudos for keeping your goal down and double kudos for already doubling your goal or come close to doubling it. They have an internal 1,500 milliamp hour battery, which you charge with a crank, and then you connect it to the iPhone and it charges it up. They say three to five minutes of cranking the unit gets you five to 12 minutes of talk time. I can see this being a big hit for hikers. No need for waiting for the sun to come out to charge up your device. Just use the hand crank. And like I said, this is one I had been waiting for for some time. So yes, I did order one of these. And I don't order many Kickstarter projects. And yes, I have my order in for this one. Figure it will come in handy the next time I'm waiting online for an iOS device launch or at a trade show or if the power goes out. The estimate and August ship date... But hey, this is Kickstarter, so if I get it by October, I'll be happy. Again, to find this one, search SOS Charger, one word, at kickstarter.com. And I am, again, I'm looking forward to this one. Back to the email back. 
Hi, Rob. Just wanted to inform you of a review that was on your show just exactly about one year ago. I've been listening to all the reviews of the Bluetooth since, and I have been interested in one. I heard this review about a year ago and researched it and kept the email that I researched it with. Finally, I got around to buying this Motorola Universal Bluetooth headset HX550. And let me tell you something, it is a great Bluetooth. It sets up instantly with the iPhone 5 and works very well. I've been texting using Siri and other things without even touching the phone. It is a great Bluetooth. I'm glad I listened to your show and the caller that called in one year ago about this time in March. Thank you very much for the review of, his, of this Bluetooth device. I bought it at $43. It's now marked down to $39 on Amazon. Get yours soon. Regards, Doug in Cincinnati. Doug, thanks for the follow-up review. And folks, you can find a link to that device by searching for Motorola HX550 Bluetooth headset in the show notes for episode 262 over at todayinios.com. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which is about the iFlash Drive HD, which is essentially a dual-dongled thumb drive where one end is a standard USB connector for plugging into your computer, and the other end is a 30-pin dock connector for plugging into your iOS device. This allows you to exchange files via the thumb drive between two iOS devices and between an iOS device and computers. I can see this being useful when you're in a meeting with someone and you need to swap some files. This will let you do it. Anyway, if this seems like something you are interested in, look for the link in the show notes titled iFlash Drive HD over todayinios.com for episode 262. We mentioned the CBS March Madness app earlier. Well, CBS also introduced a new iOS app for iOS devices. This app delivers some CBS TV programs to your iOS device for free, most eight days after they air date, but some available 24 hours after airing. So NCIS, CSI, and The Good Wife, for example, are available eight days after airing, but The Young and the Restless, being that they are, well, restless, show up 24 hours after airing, as does David Letterman, or The Late Show with David Letterman, who is not young, but I guess is still a little restless. However, some shows are not available at all in the app, like The Big Bang Theory or The Mentalist, the latter having to do with a clause in iOS about offering shows that are direct ripoffs of the show Psych. Just saying. Just search for CBS in the iTunes App Store or look for the link in the show notes. Thanks to Stephen for the heads up on this next one, which is that the Stargate SG-1 Unleashed Episode 1 app is now available. Yeah, that's a mouthful. This is for all the Stargate fans in the audience, Justin et al. Just search for Stargate SG-1 Unleashed in the iOS App Store. And again, Stephen, thanks for the heads up on that. Hi Rob, I'd like to do an app review on this really cool app called Pages. So what this app does is allow you to type anything you want, basically. Not only in different font sizes, but it lets you underline and pretty much do anything else that Pages on a Mac would do. The only downside with this app that I found is that it doesn't have all of the templates that I find I'd be using a lot. This app is really great because you can email it to someone with a Mac in the form of Pages, or you can email it to someone with Windows in the form of Microsoft Word, which I find is really cool. So it translates it into a different HTML. And that's about all. Thanks for the great podcast. Bye. Dan, thanks for the feedback on Pages. And it's worth mentioning again, Pages and Numbers and Keynote are Apple's answer to Word, Excel, and PowerPoint, respectively. 
there is no need to have Office on your iPad when you can go ahead and get Pages, Numbers, and Keynote, and then you're set. On the Mac side, I use Pages, Numbers, and Keynote to open any Word, Excel, or PowerPoint documents. As a matter of fact, anyone who uses PowerPoint, ugh, 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 I can't stand that program. Again, Dan, thanks for the review of Pages. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I was wondering if you or any of the listeners could let me know what would be the best way to buy and activate a Straight Talk iPhone 5. I know Straight Talk now allows you to buy the phone directly from them, but the models use the Verizon cell towers, and I'm interested in using the AT&T cell towers. Would it be best to buy an AT&T iPhone and use it with Straight Talk, or would it be better to buy a Verizon one, as I have heard that it comes factory unlocked? If you or your listeners can answer this question, it would be greatly appreciated. Regards, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. First, I guess it depends on where you live and plan to travel to. You need to check with Straight Talk to find out what type of coverage and on what network said coverage is uh, for where you live and where you plan to travel. If it is that AT&T would be the better coverage for you and that you are they are not offering up a GSM primary iPhone, then go to Apple and get an unsubsidized one pay the full price and make sure you let Apple know that you plan to use it on Straight Talk as a GSM phone, i.e. AT&T backbone, as opposed to their CDMA, i.e. Verizon backbone. If anyone has purchased an iPhone 5 on Straight Talk, do you know if you are on their GSM or CDMA network? Or better yet, I know there was a couple of people listening early on or when Straight Talk first got the iPhone uh, that are actually working for Straight Talk. So if anyone out there is with Straight Talk and can give us an answer, give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm planning a trip to Thailand for a two-week holiday. I am trying to find out what is the best carrier that would be for me to use while I am in Thailand. I bought my 4S directly from the Apple Store here in Canada at full price with no contract and unlocked, so it's no problem for me to put in anybody's SIM. I'm leaving on April 13th and thought I would see if you could put this out to the TI community because I'm almost sure somebody has done this before me and maybe you even have some listeners from Thailand who would know who is the best carrier is with respect to service quality and coverage. I'll be in Bangkok for just a couple of days, then I'll be in the northern area, most likely Chiang Mai, and for the rest, probably on the islands of Koh Tao and Ko Samuel, and I'm sure I just totally mispronounced those names. Any information is greatly appreciated. Regards, Sighard. Well, folks, if you can help Sighard out, please give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hey, Rob, it's Tracy from Nashville, and I wanted to mention something about a couple of bugs I've noticed in the jailbreak I've got, and then also mention something about an upcoming app that looks like it's coming out for iPhone. Uh, first, since I re-jailbroke after updating to 6.1.2, I noticed the brightness control has been messed up. Whether I have auto brightness on or not, it'll sometimes be really bright even if the slider is way down or dim when the slider is high and I have to actually touch the slider not even changing where where it is but just touch the slider for it to change which is annoying. Uh, my assumption is this is related to SB settings usually to fix it I'll just swipe down in the notification center and tap there on the brightness to fix it. Another thing is I use browser changer and so I have Chrome set up as my default browser 
and Google Maps is my default maps. The links take me to those apps instead of Safari and Apple Maps. I discovered that anytime I use the spotlight search to the left of the first home screen uh, to search the web, the phone crashes and reboots into safe mode. I've just learned not to use that feature while using the, the browser changer. Lastly, I just saw that there was a leaked video introducing Google Now for iPhone. I'm sure the second that it is out, someone will write a jailbreak tweak to default to that instead of Siri. I think what would be really nice is if someone would do something where you can access both Siri and Google Now from the home button. Say, access Siri the normal way and uh, then do like a double tap and hold if you want to get to Google now or of course vice versa if you'd rather have the the main one be Google now uh, anyway that's just a couple thoughts I had that I thought I'd share great work all, as always love the show see you around Tracy I don't think it's the jailbreak that's causing you the issue with the brightness because my iPhone 4s right now is running 6.1.2 and it's not currently jailbroken I had to remove it and I am getting the issue with the brightness. So this past weekend, it was getting really bad. Every time I was going in and out of outside, the brightness would, would ping all the way to the right. It would ping all the way to the left. I, I don't know what was going on with it. So I'm seeing the issue with brightness, and it's not because of jailbroking. I'm kind of the conspiracy theorist in me is trying to think, maybe Apple deliberately put a couple of bugs in the 6.1.2 uh update knowing that they weren't going to be able to fix the uh, security patch for the jailbreak and figured if they added enough bugs in 6.1.2 that when 6.1.3 came out people would upgrade and then they would be able to block the jailbreak in that one again just conspiracy theorist side of me thinking that not that i have any proof or anything but at least for me this last couple weeks 6.1.2 has been probably one of the most buggy ios updates i've had in a long time I'm actually at the point where I just want to do a full restore and do a reinstall and hope that that will fix some of the issues I'm having. Hey, Rob. My name is Joe, and I just listened to your uh, most recent podcast where you made some comments about Andy Anatko's article with regard to him switching to the Samsung Galaxy S3. I've been following Andy Anatko for quite a few years. Uh, I read that article, and I've listened to him on two or three podcasts since that article has been published. I just wanted to let you know that you could not possibly have been further off base uh, when you mentioned that Andy he did that for, for selfish reasons or for self-promotion. If you read the article and if you've listened to his comments, it was a, a decision that he made for very specific reasons that fit his workflow, and I think he did a great job with the article. You know, I love your podcast, Rob, but you were, you were way off the mark with those comments regarding Andy. Anyways, thanks for what you do, and uh, I'm, I'm a very happy listener. Take care. Bye. Joe, thanks for the feedback and the kind words, but I do disagree. I feel 100% when you write an article about switching from one OS to another, you make the article about yourself just by the nature of the article being about you switching. And that is what Andy did. I read the first of the three parts, and that makes it even worse that it's three-part article, by the way. You can say whatever you want in the article about it not being this or not being that, but at the end of the day... Andy is a smart guy, and he knew exactly what he was doing. Self-promotion. Or as I call it when anyone does these types of articles, self-masturbatory journalism. With journalism in quotes. 
Andy does not get a pass on the criticism because he was a host at one time of the second podcast ever launched about the iPhone. With this podcast, of course, being the first. Nope. Andy gets no pass, and I 100% stand behind my comments on the last show and this one. If you write an article about switching to or from any OS, you make it about you just by the nature of the article, and that is something Andy knew when he wrote the article, and he knew it would be basically a good PR for him. It was going to get word out about him. He's not a dumb guy. He knew what was going to happen when he wrote that article, and he can spin it however he wants, but at the end of the day, it was self-masturbatory journalism at its worst. Sorry. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I'm a longtime listener of your podcast, and I had a question that maybe you could throw out to the TII universe if you cannot answer it yourself. I have an iPhone 5 on Verizon and use Downcast to listen to my podcast. I was wondering if there was a way to add YouTube channel feeds into Downcast to listen to them like podcasts. I have not been able to find an app or a city of tweak to be able to easily do this. Help, I would be willing to change podcast apps if this was an option in another app or tweak. Regards, Brad in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Brad, some sad news for you. Nope, no app like that. It's just because of the way YouTube works versus the way Downcast works with RSS feeds and downloads. That's why you can't create an RSS feed with um, videos that are hosted on YouTube and get it to work with iTunes. Uh, just they don't work that way. First off, they're flash files coming out of YouTube. So the only real way you're going to get YouTube videos over on your iOS device is to use the YouTube app. So you just have to keep using that. But there's no way to subscribe and get them to download into your device so that you can watch them later on uh, in offline mode. Well, not at least with any of the podcatching apps like Downcast, that is. There have been some apps specifically designed to download videos from YouTube into those apps, but they keep getting broken by YouTube on their end because those are not authorized apps. But if anyone has one that is working and it's still in the iTunes App Store, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I know you corrected yourself about the iPod Touch battery percent issue on the last show, but I wanted to let you know there is a way to get the percentage. If you turn on voiceover in the accessibility settings and touch the battery, the iPod will say what percentage is left. While not the easiest way to check it, it does work. Thanks for the show. Regards, Dan. Dan, thanks for the feedback. Back to the email bag. Hey, Rob. Here is a quick thing Mac can do to try to fix the issue he is having with the iPhone and Windows Vista machine not being able to sync. Here goes. One, make sure the PC is off and that the iPhone is unplugged from it. Two, pull the power cord out of the PC. Three, push the on button on the PC a couple of times. Yes, with the power cord cable not connected. Four, put the power cable back into the PC. Five, turn it on. That is the PC. Six, connect the iPhone. Seven, check to see if it now works. I hope that helps. Regards, Dex. Aloha, Rob. It's Siobhan again out here in Kauai. You know, and as I'm sitting here watching the stock market breaking its all-time records day after day, all that happening while the feds are still pumping money out of thin air in the economy, calling it quantitative easing, I just keep wondering, where is all this money going? Well, if you're one of the lucky ones out there that has a wad of that money in your pocket, here's something fun you can do with it. Go to the App Store and download the app called Live Money. Then throw some of your money on the table and point your camera at it. 
That's all you got to do. Launch the app, hold your device up, point the camera at your money, and just wait a few seconds. I think you'll be impressed. Loving your show, and uh, Rob, keep up the great work. Uh, I hope you got some money to spend on this app because it's absolutely free right now. That's it. Take care. Aloha. Hello, Rob. This is Todd from Houston, and I have a question for you about the podcast app. I guess basically I generally want to have an overview of the pros and cons of it. I am still using the regular music app because of many of the negative reviews of the podcast app and the specific reason I was is that I was actually one of the podcasts that I listened to is a subscription-based podcast and I had to enter in a password on iTunes and that was the only way I could get into this podcast that I listen to every day. So I couldn't do that through the podcast app. And now that show is no longer available on iTunes. So I actually have to download that as an MP3 and import it through iTunes or else listen to it directly on Safari or Chrome or whatever browser that I have running at the time. So one of the annoying features of the music app is that whenever I am running a podcast as an MP3, if I pause it, it will not keep my place. Um, you know, if I've been using a couple other apps during the day or something, I'll have to remember where I was at, fast forward to a place that was close to where I was if I pick up that same podcast later on in the day. So I was wondering if the podcast app or any other app for that matter, or if there was a way to do it through the music app, keep your place on the MP3, but might be time to actually just download the podcast app and get rid of the podcast feature of the music app anyway. Maybe you could just run through some of the pros and cons of that and also at the same time see if you could solve my problem anyway that's it thank you very much love your show talk to you later bye hey rob it's todd from houston again i guess i probably should have summarized what my actual question was and that is can you import an mp3 into the podcast app therefore it would function as a podcast whereas in the music app it actually goes into the to the music section and not the podcast section so that's part of the problem with my hitting pause and being able to come back to it. Anyway, thanks a thanks for the question. Not 100% sure on an answer there. I know you can't just have a standalone MP3 and then say it's a podcast, even by changing the genre, you need to really actually have it in the podcast section, which means it needs to be an RSS feed that's, that it's subscribed to to be considered really a podcast. Not sure if you can take a bunch of MP3s, put them in a playlist, and then have the playlist sync over and it be inside the podcast app. I need to test that one out. That might work. I know when you look in iTunes, when you connect your iOS device uh, and you look under podcast, you'll see the list of podcasts. And then there's also a playlist at the bottom. So you might be able to backdoor it into the podcast app via the playlist part. But I'm not 100% sure there. If anyone does know or has been able to take MP3s and then get them into the podcast app, let us know how you did it. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. But it's a good question. I need to check it on my own. Uh, just be nice to know the answer to that one. But again, if someone's already done that, give us a call or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Todd, again, thanks for those questions. Before we go, I do want to remind you to send in your feedback back there to the show. 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOON-DOG, or record your feedback and email it to the show at todayinios at gmail.com. This feedback can be any question or comment per something someone said on the show or episode or past episodes, 
It can be a question. It could be a rant you have about something else. An app or product review are always greatly appreciated, good or bad, on the product, not, not the review. As long as it's iOS-related, it is welcomed. I am always looking for new artwork to feature that you've created on your iOS device. Just put some TII branding on it and send it in. And of course, we are always looking for more music created on your iOS device to play on the show. This is your show, and your feedback is greatly appreciated, desired, wanted. So again, send in that feedback today in iOS at gmail.com or call it in 206-666-6364. As I mentioned earlier, today's show is brought to you by the TII app. It's just $2.99 in the App Store. It's been optimized for the iPhone 5, and it is the best way to consume this show. Download this episode, past episodes, play them back in offline mode, set it up to play oldest to newest, newest to oldest, however you like to consume the show. And when there's breaking news and new episodes out, you get a push notification letting you know it's time to go check out TII because you know how consistent I am releasing the show on the same day each week. Not. Again, TII app, just search for TII in the iTunes App Store, $2.99. It's a great way to consume the show and a great way to support the show. And that, folks, is going to go ahead and do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for TII.